Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 346, featuring Jack Evans, lighting lead at Image Engine Design. Actually, a good friend of mine, and I work with him a lot at Digital Domain. We, he and I worked on Tron very closely together, um, and we do a lot of reminiscing. But he actually has a really cool and interesting past and talks about lighting and about how he got into all the different things he does. Uh, what do you think about this uh, podcast, Kristen? Um, it was uh, awesome. I called him like a firecracker. He talks almost like how his career has been. He just, he's done it all. He's like adaptable to each job. Um, that was fun to listen to. And just, he's taken every opportunity like he's ever been given and done it to its fullest. Um, and he also has like a huge passion for learning. Um, and he's also worked on just like every movie from Tron to Thor, X-Men, which he said was his favorite, and um, mm-hmm. to Wreck-It Ralph. So it's X-Men like, Days of Future Past, more that's specifically. Right. <laughs> that's right. Sorry. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a really cool guy. And I really like talking to him and, and, and just actually just honestly catching up with him and seeing all the things he's done. Like I said, he and I work very closely on Tron together. And that's, that's where I sort of really got to know Jack. And he like he's a very adaptable person, like you said. He really he adapts to the situation, finds a way and just embraces it to the fullest. So it's really, really cool to do that. All right. We have a couple of announcements. Uh, what's going on right now? All right, so uh, we do have an online event coming up, and you can find this out at chaos.com slash events. It's going to be on October 26th, and it's the power of V-Ray 5 for Rhino, um, and it'll be by Chaos and 3DWS, um, and you can sign up online there. Okay, and that's October 26th, right? 26th. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just go to chaos.com slash events for all your event needs. We do have some big news. Uh, which you probably would have heard if you listened to last week's podcast with uh, uh, <laughs> Craig Weiss, but we have won an engineering Emmy. Yay! So we're going to be going to the Emmys, uh, which is very exciting. Vlado's going to be uh, flying into LA so he can go to the and uh, accept the Emmys on behalf of Chaos, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, and you can find out if you want to know more about that, just go to last week's episode, episode 345 with Craig Weiss and find out exactly you know how that goes and what that's all about so it's really exciting and you guys should totally check that out but if people want to know more about the podcast in general Kristen, where can they go you can go to facebook.com slash cg garage podcast or chaos.com slash cg garage and if you'd like to watch us go to youtube.com slash chaos group tv Perfect. And if you guys have ideas of other things you'd like to hear on the podcast or different people, or you have questions or any kind of comments whatsoever, just go to labs at chaosgroup.com. That's the best place to reach us. And we can, uh, we'd love to hear for your thoughts on that as well. But for now, please enjoy episode number 346 with Jack Evans, lighting lead at Image Engine Design. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. I think the first time you and I uh, got together was on Tron, right? Yes, it was. <laughs> that's when you, yeah, that's that's where I first was introduced. We were struggling to try to figure out how to use this new renderer 
that seemed very much like uh, Mental Ray, but was very much not like Mental Ray at all. And That's right. So what, how did you, yeah. how did, so, so that, was a, that was an interesting journey you and I took together, and we can talk about that when the time comes. But I think we, that gives people a little preview of what we're going to get to at some point. But what is your origin story? So how did you start getting into CG and doing all the kind of yeah. stuff that you did? So what was the journey that got you to sitting next to me on Tron and trying to figure out how the hell to get this renderer to work? <laughs> yeah, it is, it, is a weird, it is a weird and convoluted story that would take way too damn long. Um, uh, I but, got time. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to, uh, to, I mean, like, Honestly, like my first introduction to CG of any kind was way back in college. Even though my official degree was sculpture and I was focusing my primarily on like bronze and aluminum casting kind of sculpture, wow. um, I uh, they had a they had a computer graphics department. I guess it was primarily. I mean, I think it was just like a graphics program that was like you know. Uh, like print and uh, and just advertising kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they had some like Photoshop classes, but they had a uh, uh, for a while there they had a, a a chair of their computer graphics department that was trying to push things towards gaming and features wasn't really a thing. That when you was this? Around what time was this? Yet. And this is like '94. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is Jurassic era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. So literally, my first day of my first and probably my only Photoshop class ever. Mm -hmm. um, what the teacher was super excited because they had just come out with Photoshop 3.0, which had just introduced yep. layers. Oh yeah. And I'm all like, cool layers. Um, what does that mean? I don't really know. Anyway, um, and then yeah, actually, I took one 3D class. They were like trying to uh, build a 3D program. And they, they kind of did by, by the time I was I left. Um, but initially, like it was like, they, they taught Caligari's True Space. I don't know if you've ever yes. heard of that. Kind of Mac, like, right? yeah. Uh, no, these were, on, these were on PCs. I'm pretty sure these were on okay. PCs. Um, but it was a, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I think it stayed on PC because I think it got bought by Microsoft eventually. Right. And I was curious and I looked it up and that thing existed until 2010. Right. It's like, whoa. Um, but yeah, it was it was like mainly a consumer level thing. I mean, the the claim to fame that I think it had is it was one of the first actual ray tracers available on the consumer market. Right. Um, and so, but yeah, not much not much uh, use. I actually did one freelance project with that where they needed some like weird ray tracing stuff and old like standard like you got this checkerboard floor and they wanted a chrome sphere to reflect in it and stuff. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, and then they also had like the very beginnings. Um, the first, my first introduction to 3D Studio was with R4 right. in DOS. Yep. <laughs> where you had to boot into DOS and then you had to get to that. And what was fascinating is when they switched over to Windows NT for Macs, mm -hmm. um, they lost a bunch of stuff. There was like really cool things that got lost in the transition. Yes. And then yeah, it came. it eventually came back. But I remember like in particular... It was like the Lofter. Remember the, lo the Lofter was really good in, in, in 3D yeah, Studio? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and then they had this really, the thing that I loved was like, because the very first uh, freelance project I, I got to do was like this like, you, if you remember this game Mist, uh -huh. way back in the day, it was it was kind of a Mist ripoff somebody had done, and they needed to do this like intro, and so I did this little dumb intro for it, and you know like had this camera moving around this room, and I could animate the camera like I could see the the Bezier of it in 3D, yep. and I remember years it took years for that to come back to Max once they moved that, um, right. and so yeah, but uh, the one thing that um, when I was thinking about back on this that like. The problems we had back in the day, you couldn't do a full 360-degree rotation with one keyframe. 
you had to do it in chunks because it didn't have, I guess, what is it? Uh, I don't know what kind of, you know, where it goes around the sphere instead of through it. Oh, a constraint um, thing, where, yeah, the system. Right, okay. or, yeah, where it's calculating, it's calculating the rotations differently. Right. Like, you had to do, like, four 90-degree uh, keyframes to get right. it to... Because if you went over 90 degrees, it would flip. go the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and if you did... And if you did 180, it was like, well, you don't know which direction it's going to go. Yep. It's just going to pick a random one. Um, and then if you did 360, it would just do nothing. And uh, yeah, like that was yeah, that was what, those were the struggles we had back in the day. But um, yeah, that I mean, so you know, so basically, I took that 3D class. It was taught by uh, the teaching assistant, which you know, most of these classes often are. And that was uh, Jonathan Vaught. I don't know if you know him. Where was he's this? out of Austin now. This is all in Dal uh, Denton, Texas, University of North Texas, yep. back in the '90s. Um, I mean, I remember pontificating about the, you know, what this new internet thing was going to be and how it was going to change the world. And oh my, yes, it did, and not in any of the ways that I thought. Nope. I remember <laughs> no, being really no. upset when something called dot com came around. I was like, "What are you talking about? You can't commercialize yeah. the internet. That's so wrong." <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, oh my God, yeah, but. Um, yeah, and I had a lot of friends that were just like, dude, shut up. <laughs> I would just go on. He's like, this is going to change everything. And yep. like, well, yeah, it did. Just nothing in any of the ways that we thought, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, so, you know, through Jonathan Vaught, like, actually, he knows uh, David Levy, actually. Oh, really? Friends. Um, and, yeah, so that was, I wasn't sure if he knew you as well. Because it's like, um, it, it blows my mind when I find people that I knew back in the day, and I'm like, oh my god, you know this guy that I met in L.A. How the hell? What? How do you do? You know, That's like, crazy. so it's a tiny, tiny little industry. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so he introduced me to the to the chair of the department, and that's how I got those freelance gigs. That was Russ Pencil, mm -hmm. um, this crazy dude that like he would basically, you know, he would find you know promising talent in his classes, and he would like then hire them for you know his. It was mostly like corporate, like presentation stuff, like keynote addresses and things, and that led to my first long-term job as a graphics artist uh, at this uh, Prime Media Workplace Learning, which was like kind of like a TV studio, but for uh, private. Um, it was like it was all uh, private subscription stuff, and it was all satellite-based, and so. Like actually, there's like a picture of the of the of the facility. They're not uh, they're n no longer uh, in business, but like. It's it kind of looks like NASA out front because you walk up there's the the parking lot and then you walk in and there's just this array of these enormous like fifty foot t uh, um, uh, TVs and stuff. Uh, well, uh, uh, satellite dishes. Oh, the satellite dishes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just outside. Yeah, and then you walk inside and there was this huge like three story tall TV screen array which was like pretty you know like uh, pretty impressive for mm -hmm. this young kid and you know like. Um, yeah, so the kind of work it was like, you know, law enforcement training, fire and emergency training, and then they had some corporate stuff. And then later on, they moved into more commercial stuff where they, like, there was a short period of time where there was the like, gravity games. I don't think they still do that anymore. Okay. It was kind of like o Olympics for the cool kids. So it had, like, motocross, it had skateboarding, and, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were doing kind of some stuff like that. But, yeah, that job, like, introduced me to, like, an array of, of crazy stuff. Like, when we first started, I was using Electric Image okay. on Macs. Nice. Um, and that was a pretty cool program, honestly, except mm -hmm. it didn't have a modeler. And so we had to have, I can't remember the what it was, but we had, like, you know, a subscription to a modeling service, you know, and you would just go through these CDs and this catalog and pick out, oh, I need a car, and you just grab it, and then you had to, like, What was the know. one out of Utah that everyone used? Was it v Vision? 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 No something but it was really expensive 
And then yeah, and it, it, it was very expensive to get those models, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, we had like a subscription, and so we right. had the, like a book like this thick that you would go through. And then there was another book equally thick, almost equally thick of CDs or, or DVDs. I don't Yeah, I think it started with CDs and it moved to DVDs. Right. Then they moved to online. Um, but by that point, we had moved on to Lightwave, which had its own Model. um, modeler built in. And that was a complete game changer. Right. Uh, yeah. Like we were, we were, me and a friend of mine who got our start at the school and knew 3D Studio Max personally, mm. you know, because that was like you could get free versions of that from the very beginning. <laughs> liberated. Um, liberated, yeah. There, so so much so that the theory was that, you know, people on the inside were like, yeah, we're going to release this because we know this is how you get a wide user base. You get a wide user base, you're going to have, and, you know, it kind of, I don't know if that was it, but Max kind of ruled the roost for quite some time. Right. It still is pretty pretty huge. Right. But, um, yeah, so we were pushing for Max, but they went with Lightwave because it was a better deal, and honestly, I think that was a good call for them. Um, I loved it. My, I had a friend who despised it from the beginning, right. but I recognized the value of it and, like, you know, just what you could do with it. It's kind of a weird program. It was split into two. You had the modeler and then the layout section, and, you know, you had to do stuff, like, it, looking back on it, it's actually a really cool idea. You know, it's like you relegate your modeling into this world that is unrelated to, you know, world space or anything. It's all unique to that individual model. Right. And you save save those out. And it's like, well, that's kind of what we do now in Maya, you right. know, in, in most pipelines. So they were kind of ahead of the game on that, you know. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we used that for a while. Um, and then, uh, I mean, they had a soft homage suite, which then they moved to XSI, but it was so expensive we never got to use it because none of the, none of the, stu- none of the, none of the, uh, the, uh, uh, Different. None of the producers had the kind of budget they needed. And it's like, well, okay, we can we can book the XSI suite for like a day for the price of two weeks on Lightwave. So yep. we didn't really get much XSI. Although we did go to Seattle. They sent us to uh, it wasn't Nomon. There was this other one, Mesmer. Oh right, Mesmer Animation Labs. Yeah, that was fun. We got like a uh, crash course in how to use uh, XSI. And I remember, you know, they had Maya classes at the time, and I was like, can we just go over there and learn Maya? Because I have a feeling that's where we're going. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, and like, um, honestly, you know, the thing that was the real catalyst. Okay, so it was like it was cool work, but it was a lot of not cool work. It was a lot of TV graphics, a lot of like not really fun stuff. So but, was it just um, sort of flying logos, that kind of thing? Or, you know? Yeah, we would do flying logos, a lot of graphics packages for like, like what you see on the news would be a lot of the kind of stuff. Okay. There'd be these like lower thirds down in the corner, you know, and it would be like, you know, somebody's name or some some bit of information. We would create those and then, um, you know, those like, those boxes over the corner, bo- over the shoulder boxes mm-hmm. that you see on the news and on the, uh, the the nightly shows and stuff. So we would do that kind of stuff. It was all broadcast. Um, yep. They had a, an array of different programs for that. It was like Art Deco was our primary one, but there was Chiron, which a lot of people are familiar with mm-hmm. for the live stuff. They even had a little news program for some of those networks. Nice. A little five-minute news thing that I, I did that shift for a little while. Oh, that's cool. Um, and so... Yeah, it was kind of neat. It was. Um, it sucked. I mean, it was midnight to eight a.m. But yeah, <laughs> I was a very miserable person to be around during those those, yep. those months. It was awful. My roommates. Um, I'm surprised they're still friends with me. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> like I was, I was not a good person to be around back then. But um, uh, so there was a wide range of stuff. But then when we started going into the commercial stuff, we started getting some more interesting work, and that was just enough for me to be like, okay, this is cool. But you know, like opportunity comes from either you build your own opportunity and you create something awesome or you know you get good projects that allow you to grow and expand 
And I felt like, you know, okay, well, I can reach the top of this job, but I'm never going to, there's going to be a limit to what I'm going to be able to do from this place. So I was starting to look out there. And we got this one project where we couldn't do the blue blue screen keying right, because the way they captured the footage, they screwed up uh, the fields, you know, interlacing. Oh, right. completely screwed up. So we couldn't we couldn't find the drop frame and After Effects with the tools that it had at its at its disposal couldn't do it and so we needed to find something we were looking at like either a plugin, um, but then because we had Lightwave Fusion had this deal at the time they had the modular system which they still have yep. that's what's in DaVinci um, they had a DFX Plus package and you could get this like mini package that included all the keying stuff that we needed for less than I think it was. Uh, uh, Keylight or one of those guys or Primat or somebody. So it was like less than a plug-in. We could get an entire compositor, and it was just kind of like, okay, that's a no-brainer. So we get this, my introduction to a non to a, a node-based compositor. Um, wow. And yeah, and then that just introduced me to the uh, to like you know I had no idea. It was really tough to figure. I mean, you're in After Effects. It's a linear lot. You know, like. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember kind of when thing. I first, because well, I, I guess my first very introduction to compositing was basically uh, After Effects, which is really just Photoshop with moving images in a lot of ways, right? Because yeah. it's layers just the same way. And then suddenly yeah. I was introduced to Nuke. My first ver- version of Nuke was before it was even a product for you know yeah. for, to be sold. <laughs> And it, its interface was just a gray slate with nothing on it. And you just started making <laughs> something. Like you just make yeah, a like, node, yeah. make a read node, and then uh, here's a view node. And then yeah. everything is just spidered out. It's like, well, where's the timeline? It's like, timeline? <laughs> just yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's because, yeah, like for motion graphics, you know, something like After Effects is perfect because it is very timeline oriented. Right. It's a lot like an editor. You yep. know, it's like Photoshop and an editor. And, and yeah, it was a real difficult transition when you're so used to years, eight years of that, and then I'm like trying to learn a nonlinear thing right. in a motion graphics environment, which was really tricky. Yep. Um, but, you know, so I went on their forums and stuff or whatever it was they had at the time. And I remember, I remember thinking back to this era when we were starting out with V-Ray on Tron. Um, the developers of Fusion were on that forum, and I remember sending files to them because I couldn't figure something out. So I was like, I don't understand what's what's not working here. And one of the developers would send back a fix for me, and I'm like, this is crazy. This guy wrote this program, and he is helping me. Right. And then I remember with your you know tight connection with Vlado mm-hmm. and how you know like how in kind of secretive that we were using V-Ray at the time, <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> um, and I remember feeling the same kind of thing that like we had this really tight relationship because they were a small smaller company it was a small industry and we were like you know we were doing something that they were really interested in and you know i was just blown away though that some nobody out in dallas texas doing some dumb healthcare education video (laughs) is getting direct help from the guy who made the program i'm trying to use i was just like blown away by that but like it is kind of a power move too when you do that though you know what i mean like yeah my first uh, my first uh, day at sway we moved into a temporary building and somehow the the it guy uh for messed up to transfer the licenses over from the old building to the new building so we couldn't work for the day for v-ray and so I said, how many licenses do we need? And so I just emailed Flato, and he came back with all the licenses we needed in like five minutes. And he's like, how the hell you did know. you do that? <laughs> it's like, just, yeah, you know, <laughs> I got my ways. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't have that kind of a connection, but yeah, it was still, I was super impressed. Like this nobody out in the middle of nowhere, and I think they might have been 
based out of Australia at the time. Fusion? Or something. I, don't I don't know, they, know where they were based out. I know. I know when they when you would open up the program, it used to show like I, it, for the longest time, I, it would just show Quokka, and I'm like, what the fuck is Quokka? <laughs> and and I and I and I finally looked it up, and that's like it's a bird. I think. Oh. I think the bir- I think the Quokka's like it's a like a native bird to like New Zealand or Australia or something like that. And then and then they would then then I started noticing redback and this and that, and I was like, oh, so it was this little thing at the bottom right. line when you're of the program while it's loading, it would just like kind of like weta, randomly, right? Like a weta is yeah, that bug, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and and it would just randomly pick some some you know s- southern animal that only exists in Australia or New Zealand, yep. and and so I was all like, well, maybe they're from there. I don't know. I'm not sure where they were, but okay. either way, they're I still was, around. I, was I guess no- we could find out, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, it was interesting. Is I was shocked to find out recently that Fusion's no longer free. The full package you have to pay for it again. Oh. Um, because well, why not? It's a pretty amazing thing, honestly. Right. It's you know, Nuke took over and kind of conquered the world yep. once it was released. But um, but it's still you know, there's a huge value to it. And having it inside DaVinci, you know, I've used it in there, and it's ha- it has reminded me like, all right, this is you know, this origins of this came from DFX Plus, mm-hmm. which is when they modularized it specifically for motion graphs at Graphic Studios. Right. Um, but yeah, that whole thing. That program introduced me to the whole world of like you know see you know of like VFX basically. Got it. I started getting into touch with with people in this industry, and I was already kind of wanting to get into animation or something vaguely. I want to go to movies. I want to do something. So then I looked into like okay, well I can you know truck out to L.A. you know live on 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 freaking you know ramen for three five years and right. struggle my way up to the top, or I can go to school. And I kind of knew as soon as I, you know, going over this, like, that was going to be my way to go because I just, you know, some people, you know, there are a lot of people out there saying school's worthless. It's like, well, you know, maybe for you it is, but for some people it's super valuable. And I'm one of those people that just, I, I thrive in that kind of environment. If you can take advantage of it. Some people just don't know how to take advantage of school. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, I, I narrowed it down to like Academy of Art in San Francisco and Savannah of College of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. And when I went and checked out both of them, I mean, Savannah just like, hands down was just by far the most uh, advanced uh, program you could get. And added bonus, they had a Master of Fine Arts that they were offering in visual effects. And I was like, okay, well, if all this falls apart, at least I've got a terminal degree and I can at least teach. Yes, that's a great school. Great school. Yeah, it is. It's absurdly expensive, but <laughs> it is. Um, um, I, I don't even know what it is now. It was absurdly expensive at the time, but you know, I mean, some cool things when you're a grad student. Um, their system, you know, you go in and you apply. Like for the undergrads to get scholarships, you have to give them a portfolio and all that kind of stuff. Just to get into the grad school, you have to do the same thing. So you're automatically entered in all, into all the scholarships you're eligible for. Mm-hmm. And so I got like a small like $1,000 scholarship, which, you know, is like not a lot for, you know, it was less than a class, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I'll take your money. <laughs> I'm right. happy to do it. Um, and then, you know, eventually my, uh, my wife uh, ended up getting a job at, at SCAD. So I got a free class as well. Oh, nice. So, you know, they had, you know, they, they have a lot of little incentives. Like, by the way, if I had kids and they decided to go there, I would move there and become a professor because they would get a free ride. Because right. uh, unless they've changed that, because they'll, you know, your children, yep. your your dependents can get a free ride. Um, I don't know if I would recommend somebody take the full undergrad uh, there. I don't think you should be taking like uh, algebra from SCAD at twenty five hundred, thirty five hundred dollars a pop. <laughs> like. Get get those get those out of the way, but their their program, their art program, is definitely you know very you know it's it's super good, and you know like they have industry people working there. The biggest thing, and this is you know 
always the case in our industry. It was connections, man. Mm-hmm. Every week, Sony, D- Disney, DreamWorks, uh, then Digital Domain, mm-hmm. you know, coming out for Recruiting. job fairs yep. and. Yeah, and then um, I I had a professor uh, that introduced uh, me and uh, uh, Kevin Sears actually. Oh, right. we, were, we were both in we were both in the same class. He was in undergrad and I was in grad, but you know some of the classes like blended together. Yeah. And he introduced us to Karen Sickles, oh. and from that point on, the rest was history. Like. Um, I actually, it's funny too because I freaked the fuck out. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> language. I know you've had. I know you've had Parker on here. Uh, so I've had Parker. I, listen, I've had to, I've had uh, Tim Miller on, and that's that's impossible to censor. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, but yeah, I I actually skipped class that day because I had to finish another project, okay. and I just needed to like just concentrate. And then I find out, oh, uh, the recruiter for DD showed up to class today that you missed. Right. And I'm like, oh no, and it didn't matter anyway. Yeah. We, we met up later, and then at that that led to you know my uh, internship, and Sally Slade was in my internship as well. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah. So it was our it was our it was one of the only. I, true just, I had I had lunch with Sally Slade <laughs> yesterday, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. She's doing she's doing great. She's doing really yeah. great. She's doing great. She's doing a yeah. lot of her own no, little funky awesome. things that she's working on right now, and it's great. She's mm, doing all yeah. this. Uh, she's doing an app to do tracking uh your face and i don't know she's yeah yeah it's really really cool okay so so you kevin sears and you and sally it all sort of like joined in as an intern at at digital domain all at the same time right (laughs) yeah yeah and then um yeah so kevin continued on and he went on to to speed racer right Uh, i had to go back and finish um but then i got an offer to come back to work on speed racer and so i was back in like december Mm -hmm. um and yeah so the rest was history from that point on okay. i mean y- you know after speed racer like i did mummy and then they they put me on uh the uh honda fit commercial series they were like they had this huge series of commercials right there were like three of them and uh, one of them was enormous another one was really small and then they had this medium-sized one that they didn't have any team for mm-hmm. so they just kind of threw me at that with a couple of guys and i ended up kind of pseudo running it sort of okay and that got uh, Eric Barba's attention. Nice. And uh, and I'm he, here. I am this idiot. Okay. I'm I'm like finishing up this like, and this is the first downturn in in LA where well the first downturn I experienced right. since 2008. And you know jobs are kind of becoming rare. It's drying up a little bit, and I'm getting a little worried. And I'm interviewing. And I remember we had a, our our rap party, and Eric's all like, "So what are you doing after this?" And I'm just like an idiot at the time. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm <laughs> trying to find something. Uh, Tron would be really cool because they had just shown us the Tron uh, teaser right, right, in right. 3D in the screening room. And I was like, wow, I got goosebumps from that. And I was all like, yeah, Tron would be cool. But yeah, I know. Only like, you know, the, the senior guys are going to get that, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, of course, he's asking me this question because he's interested in if I am available. <laughs> and then like, you know, a day or two later, Randy Sharp is all like, hey, I want to talk to you. And all right. How's your modeling skills? <laughs> and I'm like, my what? <laughs> um, uh, not so great. Uh, let me tell you about how eight years I spent not modeling anything. Right, right. Um, but I did, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, by the end of it, we were modeling our own stuff. But, yeah, he's like, oh, you, you can be my technical assistant or something. And okay. I ended up modeling modeling a bunch of crap. I actually modeled, like, the, the, the light jets and all that kind of stuff. Right. I felt really I felt really guilty about it, too, because I had no modeling reel. But, like, Eric's like, I want him on my show. And... I was too junior to be on the lighting department. Yeah, there was nothing to do in the lighting department. Right. They basically had Jonathan Litt, and that was it. 
And so it was like there was nobody at my level that could be on that show yet. And right. so basically you started right about when I switched out from the from the modeling team over to the lighting, lighting department. Right. Yeah, because that was like when we had first switched over. They had right when they had decided, you know what, we're we're nixing mental ray. We're moving on to V ray. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, it was like terrifying at first, and I felt guilty because I got a modeling job and I got modeling friends that are out of work that are like more qualified for this job well, than me. Sometimes yeah. I feel that Eric has an alternate plan for you, and you just don't even know you're just along for the ride. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I had I had several meetings because I was terrified. I was all like, I got to meet with Eric after. The, I got to meet with him right away because it's like I don't know if he knows who he's hired. Right. And I was like, dude, I'm not a model. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want you on my show because I think you're going to be valuable eventually. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to do this. And you know, but it turned out great. I mean, Randy Sharp is an amazing teacher. Oh, oh my God, yeah, that's what Randy, he wanted to do. Yeah, I love Randy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's. That's yeah. That's what he wanted to do, yeah. but you know his his other family uh, 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 path would not have been able to afford living where they lived right, right. on a teacher's salary. Um, and he like at the time, by the time I finished that, I knew more about NURBS than probably any modeler who didn't work at DreamWorks at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, I've forgotten since almost all of it, but yeah, because we would get all of our stuff from the from the uh, from the uh, art department all at in NURBS from Rhino to uh, show uh, right. or. Or alias uh, and things like that. And wasn't that and who was it? Who was it? The, who was the uh, who was the main art director behind? Who designed the the light bike and and the the light jet and all that stuff? Well, um, the designer was uh, David Levy. No, um, David Levy was the creator, uh, art director on it. But uh, what, the designer. Well, he became he became the art director, but he designed. I think he designed the light. Or no, no, no. no uh, Daniel. Daniel. Daniel Simon. Daniel Simon. That's who it is. Yeah. Who also yeah, was the designer the, of the Bugatti. <laughs> There. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then other stuff he couldn't tell us about because they had never released it. And I'm like, dude, what have you done? Yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, no. And, and literally I sat in this cubicle and Daniel Simon was right on the other side of the cubicle. And then David Levy was across yep. from there. And so that's right. That was Daniel who did all the uh, all the cars. I think most of the cars. I've got like a couple of the books back here. Oh, wow. I got co- Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, so like um, we had a, was, I have a picture of me yeah. and uh, and Greg Teagarden and Daniel Simon next to like a full scale light bike like like at the premiere. Oh or something. man, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was really it was it was a scary thing, and it's good to be scared a lot, honestly, because if you're not, you're not really pushing yourself. But right. it was it was terrifying at first, but then it just became like holy crap! I'm like here with the art department in a stage of this production that like I haven't since been a part of except on very small shows right but you know like even getting to somewhat meet steven lisberger but i didn't really i didn't want to assert myself and be a geek 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 fanboy Mm -hmm. um i even got like a poster from the art department's uh producer um that they used in the movie um they it was it was the tron original tron movie poster that they had retooled for the game and it had uh you know from Enron, the makers of Space Paranoids. Right. And uh, it's since been, uh, it's like kind of put away because like it got some water damage, unfortunately, and I need to figure out how to fix that. But like, yeah, he was, he he had some in the office one day and I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. And then like the next day I come in and there's like this poster sitting on my desk and I'm all like, what's this? He's like, nothing. There's nothing there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just like, awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah. So this little bit of movie memorabilia, you know, and like, I think, at some point, they actually had that poster up behind the uh, the Tron game when he first gets when uh, 
what Sam or whatever the kid's name. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah. he first like gets sucked into the world, I think, or something. That was like that poster was was there, um, and so it's like, oh, there's that poster. Tron, Tron definitely has a lot of memorabilia. <laughs> it's funny because I somehow I got sucked into a Facebook group about Tron fans for some reason, and there's so much oh, yeah. great memorabilia out there that people get really uh-huh. excited about. So, in fact, the Tron's Arc- Flint, Flint's Arcade is actually a building in Culver City. <laughs> yep. I've eaten there. I've eaten there. That's a good restaurant, actually. It's called Akasha. Yeah. So, uh, so mm-hmm. I was like, you guys want to go to Flint's? And we call it Flint's for, for lunch. And it's like, it's not really Flint's, but that's cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was, no. that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. So, okay, so you're doing the modeling uh, uh, with Randy. Randy's a great guy. I should have Randy on, actually. He would be a lot of fun. Yeah, you yeah. should. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we did... Um, but then you started doing uh, lighting just as I came on. I remember because you were, you were uh, obviously a very knowledgeable lighter, but you hadn't used V-Ray before at that time. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, just like everybody else there, basically. Right. Um, we had yeah, like like Speed Racer was Mental Ray, so we were pretty familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to we're trying to use Mental Ray techniques with V-Ray, and it just didn't. Yeah, it just didn't work, and we were struggling really hard right. trying to figure it all out. And there wasn't a whole lot of documentation, especially not for what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I remember the early the early days with Vlado, like, yeah, just just crank up the set, the samples. It's like, I, I, we can't do that because we can't have a 38-hour frame render because we have 3,000 frames to render. Right. Um, so it was an education thing for all of us. Um, right. But, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of um, things, and I think it was really interesting, and it was actually – Something that uh, that was great because I got the opportunity to sort of talk to, to people like you and and then you teaching me how you're doing things and me going back and saying, well, this is how you would do that in V-Ray, right? Uh, some people right. were, uh, you were one of the exceptional people that would actually listen to what I was saying and say, oh, okay, that's a good way to do it, as opposed to some people's like, that's the wrong way to do it. And I was like, you know, there was, there was a little bit of back and forth on that. But but you and I were yeah. actually doing at that time from from uh, we were, uh, you know, I, you know, just like you, you started off in the in the uh, uh, as a in the modeling department, and I started off. I was supposed to be an environment artist, right? Which was yeah, yeah. Interesting, uh, but then they very quickly moved me into a lighting lead, lighting supervisor role for specifically on the light bike sequence. And I was working on the light bike sequence, and you were looking on the light jet sequence. I think is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was me and Tim Nessa, mm-hmm. um, the two of us. It was basically a two-man show uh, for a long time, right? Because everyone was worried about like the 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 disc game which was enormous, and then the light bike, which was equally enormous. Right. Uh, by comparison, the light jet was a smaller-ish sequence because it didn't have quite so much. It was mostly black. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. so it was just the two of us for a long time. But yeah. it did have a very interesting challenge, which I do remember, and it was uh, specifically about because of the speed that these light jets were traveling, there was precision problems. Do you remember that? I remember, yeah, I, I knew exactly as soon as you said speed, I was like, yep, yep, yep. And I remember like we had some shot where the camera was close up, but this thing was like 30,000 units from the origin. Right. And we're like, why is his back sizzling? Well, <laughs> it was just yeah. like, just geometry. Yeah. Geometry was going all over the place. And someone, it was some, someone specifically said, well, V-Ray is never going to be able to solve this because they have to rewrite their entire rendering engine for double precision, blah, 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 blah. And Vlada said, yeah. well, let me see what we can do. And then like within like three days, he had rewritten v-ray to take account for that and completely solve yeah. the problem and they we're like yeah. oh done okay <laughs> well 
But then there was a secondary part of it, though, that Maya never could get past, is you still had to offset everything, yes. because Maya was going to then give you garbage geo, and V-Ray can't fix garbage geo that's right. coming in. Right, right, right. right. Um, so, and so, so you had yeah. to fix it on both sides. But I remember this, you know, yeah. it's interesting, I remember that exact same problem on Stealth, which was many, many years ago, because it's the same thing, right? You have jets traveling mm-hmm. through the air, you just got to yeah. offset it back to the origin, otherwise it just, it's going too fast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm baffled that I still see the mistake made. It's not as often, but when I do see it, I'm like, really? I can't believe this con- this came up. Like yeah. somebody doesn't know you can't put your entire scene three thousand units from Origin right. and not have problems. Um, yeah, so it, it's still a thing, I guess, because we're in, at the end of the day, we're we're dealing with some program is going. There's going to be some rounding errors, right. and it's just a matter of you know how how far until those rounding errors actually make a difference. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, but yeah, it's just like I re- yeah, that was really baffling at first because that was the first time I had ever seen it. Uh-huh. I was like, "What in the world is going on here?" <laughs> and it took us a while to figure it out. But yeah, it was uh, yeah, like all those little things, and yeah, j- just the thing I remember most about it is we were oh yeah, we didn't use GI yet. I remember we did not use GI at all on that show, at least not on my sequence. Um, there probably wasn't and, a need uh, for it. Because of so, there wasn't so a dark. need for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all just shiny stuff. And I, I remember thinking back to what we did on Speed Racer with Metal Ray, and we used Final Gather for everything, which made sense for the daytime shots. But right. we had a lot of nighttime, a lot of nighttime scenes with cars and shiny stuff. And thinking back, like, why were we wasting all this time? Because the vast majority of the noise we got was coming from Final Gather. Right. And yeah, I, I just remember all the hacky like comp fixes we had to come up with to get around the noisy final gather right. um, and I think yeah we just chose to skip v, uh, the, the GI at least on ours because A yeah it was going to give us like a 2% difference in the in the look um, but then also you know like just one less thing to have to fight right. and you know because noise was going to be a problem because we hadn't figured out like some of the details of like you know some of the counterintuitive things that you have to do to make you know make something clean of course this was like a, at least a decade before denoising like in fact the last time i used v-ray uh we still were not denoising yet because it wasn't wasn't worth it we could still get most of our sh- our stuff down to two hours even if it's a huge shot right so you know it's like well i'm not going to bother with denoising because it's just going to soften stuff up and then yeah then after that like in the last like five years denoising is just exponentially improved it's amazing now yeah well it's got a lot to learn from right it's all it's all ai based denoising yeah. so it basically knows yeah. every situation possible the more the longer you know machine learning techniques are around the better they get right that's the whole yeah the whole point yeah but um, uh, okay so so you had so obviously you know you uh, the tron was a big show for us and we were working very closely on that i remember you and i come you know figuring out problems together solving problems together mm-hmm. and the big reason we moved to v-ray at the time was post mental rate a big thing that was driving eric barba's decision to do that was motion blur which is the big thing that we got much better motion blur. oh yeah uh, real, we got motion blur. Real motion blur, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah, because on, um, on Speed Racer, they still were dealing with, um, with motion vector because they could not get motion blur to complete a render, a right. single render with motion blur. They couldn't get it to work. Um, apparently, the Scanline guys, guys figured it all out, but like... Uh, well, Scanline has exactly used V-Ray they, forever. They've used V-Ray yeah. so, so forever. Uh, but, so um, oh, wait, no, it wasn't Scanline. It was, uh, who is it, the other ones that are, they have a bad reputation. But um, 
For, I mean, not, I mean, oh, it's, uh, it's it's a small team of a couple of guys in in Marina del Rey. Uh, crap, it starts with an H. Anyway, okay. yeah, those guys apparently figured it out. I I, I probably I don't know, I don't want to talk crap about any studios, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. apparently they came up with they came up with a metal rate solution. I don't even think they're using metal rate right. anymore either. I do remember that. I don't. Yeah, I don't I'm not going to mention it either. But yeah. anyway, so okay, so so you were at DD. We worked on Tron. What other shows did we did we did you work on Real Steel as well or? No, I uh, can't remember what I worked on when you were on Real Steel. Although I do know. Um, yeah, because like at the end of Tron, I went up to Toronto right. to help out at Mr. X, and yes, that's um, right. I actually was the um, there was one other guy, a texture artist, who did the same trifecta as me, but I'm the one who did it while still working at DD. Okay, so I was still a DD employee working at Mr. X, and I was there for like four weeks, and then two my last two weeks they sent me to Vancouver mm-hmm. to finish up, and basically did like a couple of huge shots. Um, the recognizer help, stuff, know. and wasn't that what it was working on, or? Um, what I, well, the end, it was, uh, it was, was it the rectifier? rectifier? That was the big, yeah, the big ship that they the were in. Giant and it, ship I remember there the was like this. People in there and all that stuff. Yeah. And one of the hard, yeah, like my nemesis, uh, ray tracing type shot is down a tunnel. <laughs> because yeah. those are, those are a nightmare to clean up. And, uh, mm-hmm. I remember we were, we were, uh, using the, the Vegas machines. We had rented machines out of Vegas and Eric would always make the joke that whenever he saw that shot, cause it, it was one of the first ones to use the Vegas machines. Right. He's like, I just, I just hear, you know, like ching, ching, ching. I just hear the sound of, of, of those slot machines. Every time I watch this, this shot, right. it's like money. It's just money yeah. going out the door. It looks expensive. It is expensive. <laughs> and, but, um, yep. yeah, I'm trying to think, what did I do immediately after Tron? Um, Man, I'm drawing a blank as to But you stayed up in Vancouver after that, right? Um, no, I came back. Um, so I came back to LA. I was only in Vancouver for a couple weeks. Okay. And then did you work on, came back right around. Did you work on Jack the Giant Killer? No. Um, they tried to get me onto that, but no. Oh, right, right. So I, I took a little time off, and then I came back. Um, I, I'm trying to think if there was something in between, but um, I know during Real Steel, I was really disappointed that I wasn't working on that because that was such a smooth-running show. Um, and I can't remember what I was doing during that period. It like I'll have to <laughs> I'll have to look up my own IMDb. Okay. Like what did I do? Um, but uh, I remember like one of the next things I did, which was another weird. Like I remember getting a call from uh, Lisa Baru out of the blue uh-huh. one day. Um, during a break, and she's all like, I got a weird offer for you. Would you like to be a hair artist? And I'm like, a what? I'm like, I've never touched that. What? Why would Why would you? And she's like, I don't know, Eric just thought you'd be good for this. I'm like, oh, okay, let's try it out. Okay. Yeah, and that's when I sat next to Daniel Lay, and I was doing Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Oh, nice, um, nice. But that's skipping, that's skipping some time. I can't, I, I'm going to have to like look back at what I did right after Tron. Oh, um... Thor. That's what I. Thor, right? Thor. Yeah, that was that was. uh, I wouldn't call that a fun show. Okay. But um, it was. uh, Maybe you wanted to forget about it. (laughs) Probably. Um, No, that was a show where. uh, Yeah, I was essentially kind of by myself with um, with uh, uh, Carl Denham. Oh right. Uh, He was my CG suit. And yeah, I loved working with Carl. Yeah. Um, it was it sucked that he had to leave the industry yeah. and you know go through what he's going through. But yeah, like one of my favorite supervisors ever. The dude was amazing. He was so um, much fun. Just, yeah. yeah, he was just great to work with. Um, but yeah, that show was like, oh yeah, we're gonna have you work in RenderMan, but we're not gonna give you any RenderMan TDs. <laughs> 
So you're going to have to figure this out with Michael Morehouse, who's this really smart guy, but he's a nuke TD. So have fun, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember getting in trouble because we, we had to bug Laura Lee a lot. And then she, um, I guess she would bill some of her time to our show. And then they got we got in trouble for that. And so she had to stop helping us. And yeah, because that was primarily run out of Vancouver, uh, out of this one. The, I think it was the last vestige of any render man that we did, really. Right. And um, then we just had this prologue that they had cut from the show, and then they brought it back. Um, and then we just had a small team, and it was uh, kind of—I don't know—it was—it was. I think it was the sequence that they used to get the show back into the black. Mm-hmm. I remember they spent weeks with breath comps. And you would just see A, B, A, B. And I'm like, is there a... I can't see a difference between these two. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we spending... And, the, and it's just because Marvel was going to pay for every single penny of it. And yeah. so um, they basically used that to kind of like, okay, this, this brought us into profitability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This brought us into profitability. Um, and so, like, I don't blame them for doing it. Um, but, yeah, then then we did the little Ender's Game teaser with, with Carl nice. as well. Right. Yeah. And that they sent out to Can and... Uh, I remember, you know, working on a really small team. That was immensely fun. Uh, I think that was the last thing I worked on with John Nihus. Right. Uh, however you say his name. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a load of fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. And then I think there was a break after that. And then uh, came back for Girl with a Dragon Tattoo right. to do hair. Um, and um, that was a really cool show. I mean, that's the kind of work I love is invisible effects. Yeah. The stuff that you don't even realize is 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 enhanced, and I, that's Fincher's going to do. That I loved for it you, when you it know? was so like it was also like a small team of really talented people, right? So everyone yeah, kind of yeah. knew exactly what they were doing or like figuring yeah. it out, and like yeah, it was fun. And you just you just didn't see it. A lot of people didn't realize that that whole bike scenes, many shots were a hundred percent CG, and you can't tell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like the yeah, it, it was. I, I found it ludicrous too because I watched I watched the um, the Swedish version of it, mm-hmm. and uh, in, in the bike chase, she's wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then she's like, no, 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 she got to take her helmet off. But we can't have the person riding without a helmet because that's like too dangerous. Mm-hmm. So we had to chop her head off and put a and put CG a CG head, head on, on top yep. of her. Yeah, and that was that was the sequence that I got. Although it's like you know, if if your first your first go at doing hair sims is at night in a snowstorm in a wind tunnel with a woman with black hair you're kind of set yeah. for success there it's like okay yeah this um and I, they sat me next to daniel lay did you know at the time genius. that daniel lay was vfx soldier <laughs> did did not i remember when that got revealed he was good he was good at keeping that subtle although you look back and you're like that's oh, kind of obvious because he was always pushing for like we need we need to unionize and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you need to get you need to get an agent and all this kind of stuff yeah. um but then i remember i was in vancouver when when that was revealed i, I had moved up here finally and i like just texted him i was like dude you're batman <laughs> he's like no i'm vfx soldier I'm like all right all right all right i, I, yeah. I walked into that one but um, but yeah, no, I did not know. But that was that was at the peak of VFX Soldier. I'm sitting right next to the dude, and I'm just c- kind of oblivious to it. Apparently, I'm oblivious to things a lot. <laughs> a lot of people used to a lot of people used to suspect that it was someone at DDB because we'd have an all team meeting, and then it would be on Twitter like the, like a half yeah. an hour later. It's like, <laughs> who is it? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, like um, I think yeah, the reason that he eventually like uh, revealed himself was I think uh, there was. 
there was a lot of just coincidental connections to some other artist, mm-hmm. and he didn't want somebody else getting blacklisted because of what he had done. And so, right. like, it looked like somebody was going to try to out the wrong person, and it was going to be hard for that person to prove they weren't. It, and so he was just like, yes, it was specifically it. it was specifically artists in uh, Vancouver that were against it because of uh, a lot of people yeah. in L.A. doing that. So, yeah. yeah, which was really, really sad that it artist turns against artists. That, that yeah, way, so. that was definitely the worst part of it. And mm. when I came up here, I was, you know, trying to like gently, like guys, you just got to recognize that this is the reality of it, and I see your side of it. I'm kind of joining you because, right. well, you know, you don't have I, I, it's, it's <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I had a choice. I, you know, I on my drive up when I was moving up here, I got. You know, I got messages like, hey, you know, so there was there was work in L.A. It was just not the work I wanted to do. Right. It was going to be like commercial work. It was going to be TV. Yep. At the time, TV wasn't as appealing. TV's a lot more appealing now. I mean, because everything's TV. It's streaming and everything. Right. But, um, you know, so I was, you know, definitely not uh, wanting to do that kind of work as much. It was not going to be stable. This, this showed stability, and it proved itself because I have been without any gaps in work that I didn't want myself. So ever right. since I moved up here. So, you know, it's like, yeah, I kind of, I, I expected it to be maybe five years and then it was going to die, but it's, it's definitely outlasted my predictions. Well, that's um, cool. That's yeah. Cool. And, but you know, I'm, I'm really curious what the new work from home thing, like th- this whole, just this sea change that just hit us hard. Like, what is that going to do? Like, well, it means if you're a good artist, it yeah. doesn't matter where you live. It's what it's what it should mean, right? And if I mean, that's what it should mean. And, and yeah. if you're if you're a good artist and you like living in Vancouver, then great. <laughs> Keep living yeah. in Vancouver yeah. and enjoying that, you know. But yeah. I've known I've known some. I knew a. I just spoke to a guy who's an excellent excellent artist. I know who does a lot of mocap cleanup and the different kind of animation stuff. He moved to uh, he moved to Idaho, <laughs> and he's doing huh. everything from Idaho. <laughs> He's like, it's great. Great. It's super cheap. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. If I could get a Vancouver salary and like live, well, I, I would say price wise back in Denton, Texas, but maybe not right. politically right now. But, um, you know, like in some cheaper place for sure. Um, yeah. with, with our studio, unfortunately, we're still a little bit stuck with we have to have people in, in BC because right. we're still, they're, they're still holding to that. That's the thing. Sure. It's like the, the, the incentives are still there. I'm just curious if it's going to start being harder to justify the incentive. Right. And it's just really kind of in a world of, of questionable, you know, like, where are we going? Where are we going? Right. Constantly, you know, is this going to continue? Is this sustainable? We just got another curveball. Um, but, you know, like the work from home thing has been great for people like me, you know, I tend to be a bit of a, you know, of a, of a shut in <laughs> naturally. I like, I like my privacy and all that. And also I have, you know, I think I saw an interview with Seth Rogen and he said it best is like, we're not all in the same boat. People say we're all in the same boat, but we are not, we're in the same ocean. We're on the same storm that some of us are in better boats than others. And right. I happen to be in one of those better boats. I have this beautiful view over, uh, over the, this just really lovely Mount Pleasant area. Right. That's what this, what it's called. Um, and you know, it's quiet. I got my dog here sleeping all day on my couch and you know, like it's, it's great for me, but I know a lot of people, they live downtown. Maybe it's not so nice. You're in this like 400 square foot box, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just like scrunched in, you're, you know, when the summer comes in, the air conditioning, you're boiling all day, you know, so some people aren't loving it as much as others. 
But then we have people who've moved out to Victoria, you know, like Vancouver Island. Um, a, a couple of artists who've done that that couldn't do that. And we have one lighter on our team right now who is, God, somewhere in the edge, somewhere way north of here, mm-hmm. just out in the middle of nowhere, and right at the edge of our of our latency limit. And she's working, you know, like a thousand, like a hundred miles away or something like that, and just living, you know, out in the woods. And you know, it's like, yeah, I, I am. We are very fortunate, you know. Right. We are very fortunate to be in this industry, and honestly, it's like, well, we we should take advantage of it. And I think so far, it's been, you know, my fear is some idiot, one idiot, is going to ruin it for everyone. They're going to make a mistake, and something's going to leak. But so far, everyone's been super careful. Yeah. Um. You know, I mean, because the big concern is, you know, Disney gets spooked and then shuts it all down. Right. You know, once once, but they can't yet because you know we're still in wave after wave, and it's just like, well. You know, but like, you know, that's the concern. And like, our studio has been going through uh, Image Engine. We've been going through like, how are we going to move back into the real world, into the regular world? Right. And I think they've decided because there's over- overwhelming support for the work from home that, you know, we're going to probably move into a permanent hybrid situation where it's going to be more like, like, what is it, the WeWork thing or whatever? Right, right, right. Where they share. Yeah, you know, it's going to be more like that where it's like you're going to have to like tell them you're coming in, you're going to have to book some time in an area and maybe you have a small team there for a short period of time or you know maybe we'll start doing that for training when we knew, when we you know onboard new people well tell tell imagine. me a bit about your journey to to image engine so you moved to vancouver was it for image engine yeah. or no i moved to vancouver for uh, dd okay. um it's funny i actually had an offer to go to singapore uh right uh well like yeah because I'd, I'd gone um like after uh girl with the dragon tattoo um they had offered me uh Jack the Giant Slayer, Jack the Studio Slayer, uh-huh. <clears throat> and uh, they offered me both a, a lighting position up in Vancouver, which was a, a pretty crappy offer, and then also I could stay in L.A. and do hair, and I was like, I don't really think I want to be a part of this show, This nobody's having fun, this doesn't look fun, uh-huh. and I kind of was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do that, um, and so I went, you know, I, I, I went to Disney, I did uh, Wreck-It Ralph, um, and then, right. um, yeah, and then I came back, well, there was one last thing, but then they sent me up here. Um, when I had to go to uh, Eric Barba, ILM, well, okay, I got an offer to work at ILM Singapore through when I worked at Pixamondo. My supervisor there, like, recommended me. Okay. Um, and um, so they had a pretty good offer. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to take this because there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. And so they require, like, two recommendations. And I was like, well, I'm going to get my VFX supervisor. He's going to, you know, or at, at the time he was chief creative officer, I think, by then. Right. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a big name on here. This is going to get me in. Right. And I'm like, hey, can I get a recommendation? He's like, yeah, sure, but why are you? I, you can't go. I need you in Vancouver. I'm like, do you really? Right. And he immediately like sent out an email. And next thing you know, I get back to my desk and uh, I'm getting an email from Karen Sickles again. Right. And she's all like, I, I hear you might be available. And so then I come up there for Fast 7. Oh, nice. Um, right before right before Scott Walker dies. Right. Um, so like literally I'm here for a month and then uh, and then the star of the movie that I upended my entire life for uh, dies. And I'm like, ah, shit crap what's going on what's gonna happen here and you know um i lobbied to get off the show because i had no idea what was going on with it and they ended up putting me on x-men uh days of future past which was one of the coolest shows i've worked on since that was Uh, a great show it was awesome and the thing i loved about it was our our challenges were making a giant plastic robot not look like cg and it was a cool challenge we had technical issues we always do but Mm -hmm. our main issue was artistic and it was 
so such a rare thing mm-hmm. in our industry that your primary issue is artistic and how do we make this work? And of course, Tim, no, sorry, he's just a freaking genius and he came up with like this this like micro scratch thing mm-hmm. uh, that they that he would generate in in Maya and uh, yeah and so you know so I, I we did that and then I did like some other you know just a, a number of other projects and then. I was kind of getting a little burned for a little bit. I was just like, you know, I think I might have, you know, run my, you know, my, my time here. I feel like I'm rising up to a point, you know, I was, I was a lead at that point and stuff. And I just kind of felt like, am I just good at DD? Is it just because I've learned this system really well? I need to test myself outside of this and also get some, you know, I was, you know, get some objectivity, you know, and get my head out of this for a bit. And so uh, there was an opportunity to go work at ILM, mm-hmm. uh, work on Solo, and kind of like, okay, well, it's a Star Wars movie. Right. Kind of hard to say no to that. And so, you know, did that, which was, it was really cool. Um, and An eye-opener. ILM was not exactly what I expected it to be. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's it, you, know, you know, you never know what, you know, you're, but it was just like this dream that I was like, I'm never going to be able to work for ILM, of course. And then I, end up working on a Star Wars movie. So I'm like, all right, well, this is kind of cool, but it's that anticlimactic thing. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, so this happened. Um, But it's just another job, basically, you know? Um, It was fun. It was cool getting to work on, like, the Millennium Falcon stuff. We we had this whole, like, five weeks or something where we were trying to, like, develop this wet look as they were, like, going through the Kessel Run sequence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, so it was, you know very scary again you know it's really scary and exciting you know but then you know a series of other shows like uh, like Aquaman which was kind of the opposite of exciting for me but it was it was difficult and you know like it was huge I mean we had these enormous crowds and stuff like that yeah. and um, but then basically they were looking at a downturn after uh, after Terminator and I kind of I, I foresaw the downturn coming, and at the time I'd always been thinking of Image Engine because they have a great reputation for being a really great employer mm-hmm. and having a really amazing pipeline. And I'd always thought, well, you know, one of these days I'll end up working there. And they happen to have uh, openings for some lighting leads, and so um, I kind of jumped on that opportunity um, right before there was another kind of big purge at ILM. And for a while there, there was no work mm. for ILM for a while. It, it's come back just like everywhere else. But yeah, so I kind of took that opportunity. I was thinking, oh, maybe in a few years, my pseudo retirement job, but it turned into a little sooner than that. Um, And yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. I've, I don't regret it at all. I mean, it's, it's a very different place for sure. They, they definitely have a different feel. It's more like a laboratory to me. Um, You're going to, you're going to excel more if you're more technical, Um, but they also focus very heavily on work-life balance, which is, Something that when you get older and you're getting towards 50, you're like kind of, I'm a little over, you know, I could still work at, at, at DD and work 70 hour weeks and just make bank. And, you know, that's great. Right. But 20 years ago, it was great. Maybe not so much now. Yeah, I, I, would rather be a, <laughs> I, yeah, I would rather be, I would rather be a little less, a uh, little less wealthy and a little more alive and, you know, right. a little less gray hair. I, the, the gray hair uh, has, has, you know, stopped growing so quickly in, and the hair back here is yep. falling out quite so fast. Um, like you know, there's it's still the industry. You're going to have you know a lot of a lot of hardcore hours from time to time, but it feels like there's a, a genuine desire to try to keep that in check. Nice. Um, 
but uh, so how yeah, long have you like, been at Image Engine? Uh, this is going to be, is this going to be my third year? Okay. At least my second year. So yeah, like I think. What have you 20, been working on? 2019. Can you say anything you've, you've worked on or working on? Yeah, my first show was The Old Guard. Oh, nice. Uh, that was, yeah, with uh, Charlize Theron. It was a lot of gore. Yeah. It was the easiest show I've ever done. Um, okay. I mean, we were doing just like little head wounds and stuff like that that then healed because they had like like Wolverine powers. They were all like these gods or something. And so it was a lot of, but then there was this one dude that had his guts blown out. And so we, it was really gross. Just a lot of really gross stuff, but it was really a lot of fun. Um, like sometimes it's really fun to do that really nasty, gross stuff. Um, and and then uh, Mandalorian season two, uh, we worked on a couple of those episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ice tunnel, or the, all the spiders. Oh, nice. Um, that one, and then there was another one I I started working on, but then I uh, had to jump off that to get onto. Um, uh, Fantastic Beasts, which uh, I guess I can say that. Right. Um, pretty sure. I hope I can say that. I'm pretty sure I can. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's secret. Um, I, I mean, they've already got a name. Leave it out if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's okay. I don't think it's you know I don't have any any super secret. Well, there there are super secret stuff that I can't talk about. Oh, for sure, okay. Well, then we can say yeah. the name, but we won't say what you're talking, what you're working on. But well, I mean, you know, I mean. I think Fantastic Beasts is okay, though. I think it, um, I think that's all right. I don't think there's any secret that Image Engine is working on it. Okay. We're, you know, we've we've delivered a, a, a an audience screening. We've already got like end dates. They've got the, the title for the show. Right. But I can verify for sure. Um, I think it's okay. Right. <laughs> I well, don't think there is. Well, there is. I mean, we have other shows in the works that we definitely can't. Talk just let about, me know because but, this podcast may come out actually on Monday, so it may be. <laughs> we may actually need to know okay. fairly soon. But that's yeah, I'll, I'll double check that, but I'm pretty sure it's cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I can obviously say that we worked on uh, Mandalorian because yeah. Uh, yeah, the credits are out. They said so <laughs> <Your name's> themselves. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, it's cool. Yeah, it's uh, so you know that's the funny thing. I have a friend who left ILM, and mm-hmm. so he got he, he he went to ILM. He never got to work on a Star Wars movie, yeah. and then he got hired as a lighting lead at image engine and his first his first shot was a mandalorian shot so he's like i had to leave ilm to work on star wars um <laughs> and so that was that was kind of funny but um but yeah so it's like we we have a pretty good uh, relationship with uh with disney lucasfilm whatever um right. they seem to be happy with the stuff we've done and so that's been cool it's been a nice uh yeah image engine's I mean, been yeah. around for at least 25 years and um yeah, it's one of, if not the, like, I mean, it's, it's, it is, you know, born in Vancouver. Yep. That was, you know, that was always a, kind of an appeal, honestly, as much mm-hmm. as I loved DD and ILM, both of them had a lot of their senior staff in another country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my home country, but, you know, still right. they're in another country and that's just kind of like. Yeah, they're um, always still a satellite it, office, even if they're bigger than their than their primary office. They're still a satellite office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and there was always a little bit of frustration about that. That like, there's this disconnect between like, well, most of the work's being done here, but the supervising is being done down in L.A. Well, here it's just it's all it's all you know in house. Yeah. Um. I mean, we are owned by Cinesite, but Cinesite's also um. There's a Vancouver location, but right. you know that was a recent development, and we're kind of sister companies. Right. And so we, we sort of share gaffer and stuff like that. But like, right. you know, it's it's not the same. We don't have, Cinesite doesn't have anything to do with our production and vice oh, versa. Yeah. You're using gaffer, yeah. huh? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Do you it's, like it? Um, I do. Um, <coughs> it's, uh, it's a lot like Katana, obviously. It's yeah. a node-based system. I'm really glad to be sticking with that because 
definitely once I got exposure to katana, I was just like, yeah, this is this is how you should be doing a lighting setup mm -hmm. for sure. It's it's way better than trying to do everything through Maya or something like that. Um, I I know a lot of studios are starting to move with with uh, Houdini Solaris, and I think there's a lot of promise there, but it needs it's going to need development. It's it's got a few years before it's really up to speed. But um, gaffer in the right hands, you know, like gaffer to image engine is sort of like Nuke was to DD. Right. Um, it's it's it wasn't built here exactly, but kind of. You know, it was only fairly recently that their development team fully decoupled from being inside. Right. And another point of uh, where I was using a node wrong, it was because there was a legacy element to this node. I flagged this as, hey, this doesn't seem to work right. This was like three or four weeks into me starting at Image Engine. Mm -hmm. Another week later, they realized, oh, this is a bug in the program, and they fixed it. <laughs> so, right. like some new guy who's never touched the program can report a bug, and it's fixed within a few weeks, whereas Katana, it's like, yeah, there's this thing that doesn't work, and they're like, yeah, it's been that way for five years. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's the scale. It's the scale right. of the program. Things move faster when you're smaller, and you become this giant freight train, and you can't turn corners as quickly and all that, you know, it's weird mixed metaphor, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, um, Gaffer's very, so that, very interesting as a, as, a, as a product. And I think you're right. I think there's obviously right now the, 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 the sense of where scene assembly is going is going to be yeah. very interesting. And uh, USD is also something very interesting as well. So I'm actually curious. About yeah, that. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of want to bug them about that because like, um, like, we haven't really talked about in integrating USD into Gaffer, but it's kind of like um, sh we should, right? Because, yep. you know, it's definitely going. <laughs> Here's my advice um, to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, I, just have to, I just have to voice it as a question because I'm not going to try to be that guy that's telling the developer how to do his job. I'm just telling you but, based on the hundreds yeah. of interviews I've been doing over the last year. Mm -hmm. Yes. It is definitely the way to go. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah. where things are going to go, like it or not. You know, so yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and interesting thing is, uh, I haven't actually uh, gotten into installing this or playing with it yet because I've been in the middle of uh, of uh, delivery, as you know. Um, but there's this uh, thing called Emulsion Beta, and it is a plugin somebody wrote for V-Ray and Gaffer. Oh, and. Um, it has to be it has to be uh, commercialized because I think just the the nature of how V-Ray handles its licenses mm -hmm. they couldn't just like do a U they, they can't do open source for that mm -hmm. um, exactly but they can use the open source to create you know a closed package so um, I'm hoping as things dial down a little bit with this project I'll kind of play around with that and see you know I've like heard of this thing. in I've heard yeah, of this thing yeah. happening I don't know how much. Uh, like I don't know much about it, honestly, honestly yeah. speaking. But I know that something's yeah. happening in that area, and it is interesting mm -hmm. to integrate because Gaffer is open source, right? Am I I'm correct? Yeah, it's it's totally open right. source. Right. So you can't really, yeah. when you make a plugin for something that's open source, it also has to be open source, which you can do, but you basically have yeah. to open source the translator and not the renderer. Which is separate. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same, so same thing so, yeah. happens with V-Ray for Blender. <laughs> Just put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so it's kind of curious because I have to say, um, I still to this day, like PR Man, uh, uh, the latest iteration of that is pretty fantastic. Um, but 
I miss a lot of things that you have in V-Ray. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with Arnold. There's Well, there's some actually more annoying things from Arnold, that, uh, <laughs> like with the way it handles transmission and stuff. Right. And um, But just the ability to go in and, you know, even though you don't necessarily have to do it that often because V-Ray's gotten really smart with just handling stuff for you, right. if, if it's not doing a good job, you can go in and you can just say, this one thing needs a lot of power put into it so it won't be noisy but both both PR man and Arnold they don't have that you can do that per light but you can't do that per surface and that's the one thing I'm like why can't we do this like V-Ray is the only the only render I've worked with where you can go per surface and say this thing is going to be heavy let's throw a bunch of samples at just this guy and nobody else and then you're just you're hitting it where it needs to get hit you can kind of sort of do that with some tricks. It's gotten uh, a lot smarter global. to the point where you very rarely have to, but you're right. It's nice to know that it's there if you have it. Yeah. Um, but uh, And then, of course, there's uh, a lot of other features that I doubt Gaffer would have anytime soon. Yeah. You know, like the... Um, uh, what was it? The, the thing we were using on Fast 8. That was... Uh, um, the uh, adaptive lighting. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then and then the ap- adaptive HDRIs, mm-hmm. which I didn't even really get to play with the adaptive HDRI because that came out right about when I left. Super fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. So all these little things where it's just like way smarter about you know cutting stuff. Yeah, off. we can now like like for example, we now have a method where you can put in a million light sources and it doesn't even blink. Which yeah. For most ray tracers would be like I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, the best we can do, I think, in, with Arnold is we have um, uh, low light threshold, and that kind of doesn't. You know, actually, I'm kind of suspicious. There's a bug left in there right now because it doesn't seem like it's doing what we, you know, we'll have our low light threshold really high because we don't need all this extra stuff, and it's still like calculating a billion shadow rays, and we're like, why are you doing that? Right. So yeah, having you know, I've, I've missed some of these features for sure, and you know, I've brought it up, but then at the same time, it's like in a studio like Image Engine that's we're not really looking at being render agnostic right now, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And it, it's, you know, there's a good, you know, there's there's value to that as well. Sure. Um, but but at the same time also, like, yeah, V-Ray works really great in the systems that it's designed for. You're going to miss a bunch of the great stuff when it's a plug-in that's just being piped in by a third party. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want to see how Emulsion is doing and see what that's all about. Because uh, I do like Gaffer. But again, I like Gaffer kind of like, I pushed for Katana at DD before I left, mm-hmm. and then after we after I experienced it at ILM, I realized that maybe Katana wasn't the best choice for DD because right. just with the with the resources they had at their disposal to make this usable in a multi shot pipeline and all that, you need you need, you need the kind of money that ILM has. Yeah. <laughs> and you need a lot same thing with Gaffer. to have a yeah. good Katana pipeline working, and what do you do? Yeah. It's great. And, <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the same thing with Gaffer is um, we have a, a, for our size, we have an amazingly large TD uh, uh, team, right. and they're very dedicated, and they have a really great attitude. One of, one of the best things about them is that they, they assume when you make a request that you probably know what you're talking about. I don't always experience that. <laughs> when there are places where you're like, hey, this is broken. They're like, it's just because you don't know what you're doing. It's like, no, I think it's broken, <laughs> you know? But we don't, I don't ever notice that sort of experience. So that's been one of the best parts of it. Nice. And um, yeah, also it's probably just that I'm getting older and I'm learning how to ask questions better. Probably. <laughs> you know, if you're this, this young upstart that, you know, thinks you're hot shit and you're like, this is dumb. This you shouldn't be this way. You know, like, yeah, of course they're not going to respond well. Right. Of course. <laughs> um, 
but yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome, Jack. Well, listen, this has been we're we're, we're way over time, but that's all cool. We have, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but thank you so much for doing this. This has been great. I'm really glad to see. I mean, it's been great catching up with you. You and I haven't spoken in years, so it's nice to see yeah. what you're up to. And glad things are going well, and, and you're you're comfortable up in Vancouver, hanging out at home with your yeah. dog in your window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's actually the coldest day we've had this year so far, too. And so. I'm happy to be inside today. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's not LA. I do miss that. <laughs> I miss that weather. <laughs> we're, we're, we have the Santa Anas now, so we get these weird, uh, weird winds coming through the mountains that are like, you know, starting mm. forest fires, which is, you know, nice. <laughs> not so fun. Yeah, that, that's the part that's been. Yeah, that, that, that's heartbreaking. But yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's good to hear hear from you again. Good to Absolutely. see you and speak directly to you. I mean, I've watched a few of your podcasts or listened to a few of your podcasts. Um, cool. Um, but and yeah. now you get to be on one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Perfect. Right well, on. thanks so um, much, Jack. Yeah, well, thank you.